Hello, and welcome to The Acolytes of Merlin, in which we will be discussing the Dragon Reborn, Wheel of Time, Book 3, and this will be the first episode talking about that book. We are your hosts, John. And Johnny. And let's get started. Um, as far as I know, this uh, book marks another uptick um, in Johnny's regard for the series. It's interesting, be- yes, is the answer to that. Uh, it's interesting because I, I kind of feel myself liking each book more than the last. That's what I've noticed, too. Which is kind of interesting for... I mean, I... I think it's just more as we're getting more into the world and like the and like the overarching plot that like that I'm enjoying that stuff more. Yeah, I think you're able to see the the general uh you see it from a larger perspective and see the general arc of the story a little more clearly than you did just um going through the the eye of the world which I mean makes it makes your experience similar to the characters yes um which i when i was read it when i was younger than these characters um i really enjoyed right from the get-go um but if you're looking for the i guess if you're looking for the character dilemmas and um really comprehensive world building right off the bat, then there might be a period of, oh, this isn't doing it for me yet. And a lot of it might just be how, like, as I think we talked about before, uh, I think probably with Eye of the World stuff, um, that the, that, like, the, the points where we experience the story were different so like you read in high school right yes so i am reading this post-college where i have read a lot of other different fantasy things and other like type of similar ish types of stories so there's a lot of there's inevitably or yeah, and now I've also had the series hyped to me for years. Yes, so and not like, just by me. No, no, not just by you. Like, this is a, yeah, like, a different, like, a fair amount of people, different, like, websites and lists of best fantasy series. Like, it's, so there was a certain bar of expectation that I had kind of going in. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also a certain bar of expectation on the other end for certain books when we get there, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is uh, number 12 on NPR's list of sci-fi and fantasy, um, and that's of any kind of... Book. As far as fantasy series, it's it would be number three behind... Um, from NPR, or from NPR, um, just taking out the single oh, and the and the sci-fi, about Lord, um, of, the Lord Rings, of the Rings, and then, then Ice of Fire. Yes, I bet. Yeah. yes, okay, yeah, and then Wheel of Time. What was four? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's another one for a while. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. It's not. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just picking yeah, them out yeah, from yeah, the yeah, list. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, that makes sense, and that NPR especially would have chosen more established. Mm-hmm. Stories, and this was probably even finished. I bet when they did that list, mm-hmm. and this was um, before Stormlight oh, really yeah. got going, no, it, so it's not it, included in there. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I Mistborn is like high forties. Yeah, Mistborn wouldn't um, Mistborn wouldn't crack that as far because I mean that while Mistborn is awesome and I love it, it's not his. I mean. Stormlight's his thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... Yeah. And sci-fi, you have um, Foundation, Dune, as far as kind of series Foundation go. is overdue. No, no, or, no, not necessarily. I was uh, just... No, uh, Dune, Dune, yeah, I think, is Dune, over, Dune. over forsa- or Forsaken. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Foundation. Um, this list is available. Anyone can go and find it. Um, it's, I, it's how I choose to go through my reading yeah. list, at, at least part of it. Um, but we are but John, using this episode to talk about uh, yes. <laughs> a single book, yes. um, which we should I mean, probably do. Yeah, we, we should probably get around to that. Mm-hmm. So, 
let's talk about let's start at the beginning on this one since we didn't get to the prologue to like the end in the last discussion well yeah uh, well maybe the, after a little bit of a um or, synopsis of what the yeah, i mean what happened yeah <laughs> the, the the main driving force of this book is um and I just think it's it's we have to talk about this first is is the narrative technique of taking of Jordan taking his main character mm-hmm. and giving us just teeny tiny glimpses of him throughout the book um, so, to the result that he I think I read the statistics that he's in two percent of the book that sounds about right and because and, and let's back up on a minute like I, I do want to do kind of a very broad summary in that. Well, that this okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. Just so we meet, and correct me if any of this is wrong. But so we meet our friends after in camp after the events of Great Hunt. Yes, right. And then immediately, the Wonder Girls go to Tarvalin mm-hmm. and with then, Matt and Toe to finally um, cure let him. Do things and have character development. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll get uh, to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. um and then, so their stuff is, their journey is basically getting Tarvalin and encountering White Cloaks, and then there's lots of cool things that happen in the White Tower, mm-hmm. like Egwene's acceptance test, which we will talk about mm-hmm. later. Yes. And then um, they get sent on a secret mission by Swain to track down the Black Aja, mm-hmm. and they track them under tier and get captured, and... Kind of, sort of rescue them. They rescue themselves. Yes. Yeah. They do rescue themselves. Yeah, which is good. Um, and then, but Matt plays a part in it. Yes. So what um, is Matt doing in this book? Matt is um, where we get to see inside his head, um, and he is dealing with because that was while we weren't inside his head. Matt in the last couple of books, Matt really just had this overriding directive of become a whole sane person again. Yep. <laughs> um, and now that that has happened, now he's recollecting himself and being like, oh, now I'm in the midst of this uh, adventure and my f- friend is the dragon reborn and I'm just uh, caught up in all this and I don't want to be caught up in all this. I just want to go to taverns and play dice and Feel yes. up women. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's a thing, and he does mm-hmm. do cool quarterstaff things. He does do cool <laughs> quarterstaff things against a couple of warders, which have been um, very uh, buffed for us by this point. Um, we know that warders are pretty serious, big deals. Um, but yeah, um, that's what pretty much everything that's going on. Um, Parents doing doing some stuff still a, a good part of the book, um, but it's really Rand's um, absence that is an interesting narrative technique, um, where you really have um, the opportunity to um, do some guesswork at Rand's mental state most of the time, and I think that has the effect of really. Um, building up suspense about how much the madness is already taking him. Uh, I'd agree with that. Um, and from the glimpses that we do get, the answer to that is seems to be generally yes. <laughs> uh, namely the, like, hey, I'm going to murder these people scene, which mm-hmm. I didn't really... That was confusing to me when I read it. It was confusing to me, too, and I still don't know... I don't know if this has been decided um, by the by the readership or, or said by Jordan himself, but we... Do, I still am not sure whether or not they really were out to get him, the party that he yeah, kills. It's, it seems to be... In very- the middle of the book where he's traveling and um, he runs into this... Troop and then kind of out of nowhere, um, he gets just kills them all. Um, kind of, kind of like Kvothe in in, yes, in in Wise it, Man's Fear. It is, although it's it's, it's decidedly less calculating and <laughs> yes, <laughs> more because he has because he has all this power, right? More sense. murder magic rage monster. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't we don't know whether it was justified, but it 
almost kind of doesn't matter. It, it's supposed to illustrate. It's more just supposed to illustrate. Hey, this is the mindset that this guy is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his paranoia, um, his just absolute uh, shoot first, ask questions later mentality right now, um, which doesn't really let up, <laughs> or um, or until that. Yeah, because in the end of the book, it's. When you meet him at the end of the book, it's still mm-hmm. shoot first, ask questions later. It's yeah, not well, shoot things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, um, and, and, and we're, we're going to go more fully into um, his uh, him taking Kalendor at the end yeah. and what that means um, and how it is going to shape him going forward. But that's right. a discussion yeah, for that's another book. But anyway, so yeah, absence. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's a a good move by Jordan. Because not only does it create that sense of unease and suspense with Rand, um, but it also lets us focus on other characters and expand the world into those different characters, or through those different characters, rather. Yes, and would it be bad to be saying that I don't mind that Rand's not in this book much? <laughs> I thought you liked Rand. I, I do, I do, but I... I or let me rephrase that. I would more like agree with how you phrased it. Of his absence is like more of a boon to the book. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, and, 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 because and, we've seen so much of him, it's it's right. perfectly even for your main character in a world as big as this. It's okay to back off and um, let some other stuff come into focus. Well, and it's funny because that's what um, what what some people might criticize Kingkiller for. Is like if if you don't like Foth or as an or as a character or a narrator, you're better not, stop reading. <laughs> like, better stop reading. You're gonna get real sick of him real fast. <laughs> Whereas like yeah, I mean like no, uh, two vastly different stories trying to do vastly different things. But yes. as far as like seeing a lot of your main character and whatnot, it's th- this is not something that would happen in Kinko. Or mm-hmm. something that could happen in King Killer just because of the whole concept of that story versus mm-hmm. the concept of this one. Yeah. Um, like, that is a ultimately supposed to be, like, a, just you're following just one guy doing things for three, well, three days, quote-unquote. Whereas this is, no, you're going to follow hundreds of people doing things throughout the entire mm-hmm. world over the course of however mm-hmm. many years the story takes place over. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as many as it seems. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> right, which is interesting. Um, but I, I also, one of the reasons I kind of liked or didn't mind or liked that Rand wasn't in the book a whole lot is that we get more Gwen, and I'm starting to like her more as we progress. And I, yeah. I, 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 I said, I, I think I said in the last book that that felt like a Gwen's book, but I think either I was thinking of this book or I, I think that this book is even more her book, since she's even more of a driving force. She the, she has the uh, the plurality of scenes in this book. She has the most screen time, um, whereas Rand still had the most screen time in Great Hunt, I think. No, I'm I pretty sh- he does. Yeah. I'm ninety percent sure he does. Yeah, because I mean, I, you get a lot of Egwene in the Great Hunt, but not nearly as much as Rand. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he he's still like Rand and his party are still like the focal point of Great Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to move into Egwene, or do you want to uh, backtrack and talk about the prologue? Um, we can do the pro- we can do the prologue. We can, yeah, let's do the prologue. Okay. Uh, so this was white quotes. Yes, it yes. was. Um, and yeah, it's it's good to. Oh, he um, is mentioned in the prologue. Who? Um. Well. Uh. Keridan, um, uh, uh, I, I think it's Yakim. Yeah, Yakim <laughs> would be yeah. my bet. Would my, be my best guess. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so we have uh, this white cloak stuff, which is is pretty great. It um, it gives us a, a glimpse into a group that we already know is a. Uh, a cesspool of a lot of different stuff um, yes. because um, they're this um, zealous group that is uh, of the light in name but is clearly not 
the most super virtuous no. people ever. It's it's interesting because it seems very they seem very Spanish Inquisition or well, yeah, Catholic yeah, part of them, yes, yeah, certainly, uh, part of them does the the. Inquisitorial, yeah, or I mean, I, I'm just going to call them questioners. That's what yeah, I mean. that's well. I mean, I mean, the, the whole white clothes though. You could really kind of the whole religious zealot thing could be applied to any any type of religion or theology or set of values that's taken to kind of the extreme when taken to the extreme and then corrupted. Well, mm-hmm. cor- depending on how you look at it, corrupted. Yeah. I mean, in in this case, it is literally because you have Ordeeth or uh, Padan Fane, who, like, in the prologue, it's revealed. That's in the prologue, right? If it's not, it's later in the book. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't but, know. but it is in this book that is revealed that Padan Fane is among the White Cloaks doing things. Because, um, like, and then, because the Mergel comes and, like, threatens him at the end of the prologue. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have. I want to say what I appreciate about Pedron Nial. Yes. Who's the, the current Lord Captain Commander. Um, I like how he's he's not the best nor the worst of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the best was has clearly been Jeffrey Borgald. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he was very much like had he lived past the last book, he would probably have eventually and did start to turn against them. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah, if not in direct opposition, like he would have broken off. And yeah, and you see through Jeffrey that a good man can um, make his way into this organization, believing in the right things, and mm-hmm. then find that those aren't exactly getting carried out. And it's funny because I remember in the last book thinking. Oh, he's gonna have a kind of longer drawn out arc over the next few books, and eventually he'll see like the error of his ways, and he's going to like turn and help random friends. Well, that's because you had <laughs> Dalinar on the brain. I uh, not really Dalinar, more Zuko is what I was thinking. Oh, okay. But Dal- Dalinar is different. Yeah, that, you see where I made the connection, though. Yes, uh, the, vir, like the, virtuous, steadfast, older, like soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. more stormlight stuff. Um, yeah. The, uh, but he's um, clearly not Nial is clearly not the worst because that goes to like Bayar cer- certainly uh, yes. either Bayar or or, or Jeffrey's or, or or Dane. Yeah, is just the Byer absolute, um, in his eyes are just the depths of just complete zeal and is just like an attack dog type of, type of guy. Um, and Nial is, is neither the best nor the worst. He's the, he is a leader that seems pretty effective. Yeah, um, first, yeah, so far in the, yeah. like, I mean, he, he has a certain reputation, and people don't typically like to mess with him, except yeah. for the questioners. But <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're, they're yeah they're uppity. Um, but you don't really. Um, he, he's not such like this. Oh, this this paragon of a leader that you're like oh um, like not a paragon of a leader like um, it's not more like, gaze for instance. Or, um, or when you meet when you meet Sway in the right. hunt, and you're like oh. She's important. Yeah, <laughs> he's not someone who you would be like really set to see go down. For instance, mm-hmm. he's just um, you. You understand why he's there. Yes. No. Yeah. Like there. Yeah. That makes sense. Because he's he's like he's he's really good at what he does and um, is a bit well, of a gray area I, type of character. What he does isn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he did. no, it is not. Although it's not nearly as not nice as some of the others, as we particularly Bayar and questioner people, and yeah, well, put on fame, but I mean, or Aditha. Well, I'm not really going to refer to him as a white cloak, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he is like masquerading as one, and maybe like in his kind of golem-like twisted mind, like he believes himself to partially be. 
But like he is so golem like. He is, yeah, he is, and he gets like more golem like, which I which I appreciate because it's, yeah, because it's kind of it, it, an actual unstable villain rather than like like all, all the Forsaken we've met so far are like unstable, but more just like really cocky. <laughs> it might lead one to wonder at this point whether or not he ends up playing a very golem like role. That would be. Interesting. Although, it, it's interesting that, oh, because he doesn't really have... Because Gollum was kind of teetering on the edge of, like, so Smeagol's good and Gollum's evil. Or Deep is Dark One bad and uh, also, also, also Sh- Shadar Lagoth bad. So, like... <laughs> so it's, Oh, I thought as because he, he says Dark One bad and, and Dragon Reborn bad. But the, I, I'm saying it in a different capacity where oh, I think this is what he says. This yeah, is what okay. he considers. He considers the, it all bad okay. um, versus yes. the types of bad that he is. Yeah, no, no. Either one works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, he doesn't like Rand and the dragon yeah. at all. Like That's his main dry, primary motivation. And he, I mean, the Dark One just tortures him all the time. Right. So he doesn't like him, but he also is kind of compelled to follow him. But then he also has the Mordeth stuff going on, mm-hmm. so it's like... And the dagger... <laughs> Although, hey, they have ways to cure that, apparently, as we found out in this book. <laughs> yes. Well, he would never sit still for that, and yeah. there's too much wrong with him. He's too far gone for them wow. to do anything about it. Yes, because it's not just the dagger. And, uh, this is such a good segue. Do I want to go into Matt? Do I want to go into Egwene? Um, I was uh, thinking we'd go... In, well, yeah, you, you go wherever you want. No, what were you, no, what were you Well, there's there's... Perrin next uh, chronologically um, with his uh, both his conversation with Rand and his fight against the Merdral. Oh yes, yeah. Well, okay. So if we wanted to do Rand, I think we should do all of or Perrin. I think we should do all of Perrin, including like stuff that happens later. Okay. Maybe not necessarily talk about the climax specifically, but all right. Mm-hmm. We can do Perrin then. Okay. Okay. Um, so, his conversation with, and this is... In the beginning it, it, camp, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it is more about Rand than Perrin, admittedly, but you, you really start to see, um, before you get the absence of Rand, you do get enough of a grounding of, um, where, where his head's at right now in terms of, um, his the choices ahead of him as he sees it because he he sees just only doom in his future, um, yep. but how is he going to um, manage that? And his answer is what many of us would be, which is I'm just going to try and answer it once and for all before I agonize any more about it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go and see if this prophecy is fulfilled. If it is, then I'll just then I'll go ahead and embrace it. And if not. I guess we'll take it from there. Maybe let myself go get imprisoned over with Loghain and right. <laughs> because he, he's not going to be tied up in Aesodai strings. No, <laughs> even though they all no. But do. by this point, he's like, would it be better to be gentled? I also heard it's hell to be gentled, but it's hell right now. So what the <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> He also just, he caused like the earthquake. In he that, does cause in that, the earthquake. Is that scene or is it a little? It is, no, it is that scene when he's yeah. a, a little away from the camp. Um, and then you have Perrin, um, you know, not reacting so well to that. Because <laughs> um, it's a little frightening. Perrin tries to do like a come to Jesus talk, right? Kind of. Um, in, in, in so many words, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, literally. I think, I think he's like, uh, just go to Moraine, I think. Or, yeah. AKA Jesus, AKA Obi Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> yeah, she is, the, I guess she, she is the, I guess she is, although there's a few different Obi Dumbledore's, but she's one of them. Although Rand is also Jesus, but. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or he fills that role in the world, I guess. <laughs> Um, uh, but the but the more yes, uh, the parent. Uh, applicable parent scene is is him fighting the Merdral, which you are mm-hmm. finally seeing how effective he can be um, with um, if he is gives himself over to the wolf during mm-hmm. a fight. Yeah. 
This is the book. Is it this book or the last one where he encounters the um, the like? I think it might be the, might be the last one where he encounters the uh, the like man that also had, might have had wolf senses and is completely taken over by it. I, I I'm forgetting. I don't know which one, but we're on book three, so we can talk about yeah, it anyway. Because. But go ahead, yeah. Him being that, effective. yeah, him being effective in battle against the uh, the twisted ones um, and the neverborn, because like everyone, like uh, everyone else, the wolves also have their own names for things. Um, yes, which I super like. It's super realistic. Yes, no, I yeah. If only if only the ideal names for things were the default, but that's a <laughs> uh, no. We're not there yet. Not, yeah, but anyways. <laughs> Um, you do you do get some of that in this. We get maybe, gonna, but we're but not, we're not going we're not going there yet. But no, anyways, no, um, and and yeah, you get a, a mixture of him being um, super effective and uh, showing his uh, two rivers man uh, obsession with letting women die. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. it's yeah. especially. Rand and Perrin. Yeah, Rand and Perrin more than Matt. Because his, like, stuff is... Rand, Rand and Perrin kind of have character overlap with a lot of the responsibility stuff. Absolutely. Like, I mean, Perrin, I guess, but, like, it's not really, like... that's His arc isn't really as, like... Yeah, like, Perrin and Matt's... Or Perrin and Rand, it's definitely more the overlap. It's sort of, like, I must assume all responsibility for anything that happens to everybody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At the same time, saying I, I, uh, I don't deserve all this responsibility. I'm nothing but a, but a, but a, a farm, but a farm yeah, boy. <laughs> but it's, at the same time, I have this response. It's, it's crazy. Um, but I love when he, um, is, uh, when Uno of the, um, Shianarans, yes. uh, suggests, um, that they say, hey, we have all these dead wolves. Um, we have, we can have felts to keep people warm. And Perrin's like, no. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I forget. Exactly and then he stares Uno is. down, which yeah. like, it's like, you think about how tough Uno has been kind of built up to be, um, yes. over the, uh, for over just a couple books. Yeah. Um, and you're like, yeah, it would, uh, a man who was know. just acting like a wolf and has golden eyes is is actually kind of unsettling. Yes, <laughs> it's interesting because anybody, and he's like super buff. <laughs> yeah, and anybody who like yeah, that was his like first character POV in like Eye of the World is basically him being like, I'm I have muscles, I shouldn't hurt people. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's actually a really well written passage, but it is kind of like looking back on it in this context, it's uh-huh. kind of like. Perrin's aware of, like, that part of himself, physically at least. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I do, um, i think. Yeah, I do like with Perrin later on with the blacksmith. Do you want to talk, do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if we're doing Perrin, yeah. Um, that is, that is, what, what do you want to say about it? Well, so it's, they're, in, when they're all in tier, and they're kind of, who does Parrot actually go to tier with? I, I, is he, is it um, Moraine and Lan. Yeah. So they're um, stated the in and um, and uh, she's called Zarine for the or, rest of this book. Oh, Fayol. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, we'll get to her later. Yeah. The yeah the the uh, the, the newest um, love interest. Love interest and member of the of random friends because <laughs> she she she's definitely a member of the party by the end of the book <laughs> um but yeah so they're in all in here just kind of hanging out investigating things and preparing to like for their like assault or how are they going to try and get in to the stone mm-hmm. and so Perrin finds a blacksmith and kind of basically apprentices or not really doesn't really apprentice I should say he basically works with this blacksmith yeah yeah it's 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 certainly not an apprenticeship he's just like oh the blacksmith is just like oh see what you can do with this um he says a very neat bit of work no wasted motion you looking for work my apprentice has just walked away all three of them the worthless fools (laughs) (laughs) That's Jordan speak right there. I was yeah. I was going to say on that note, just whenever, whenever 
when people are when characters are talking about like kind of random off-screen characters, it's usually that type of like dismissive language, <laughs> um, which is which I think like that's not uncommon in like fantasy literature. Um, yeah, um, and I I don't parents kind of at least if not a narrative, then we at least know. That he's thinking in this moment when he's given this work and he's uh, being offered work, he's thinking, nah, "I could just, I could just stop here, yes, and and live this way, um, and just be in a different city, and it's all, it's all good, but it's the same work, and I can let everything else go." But he decides not to. Yes, and that's the like his what I, I where I really like kind of the central how his central conflict is kind of, uh, it's imagined as the conflict between the axe and the hammer. The axe being him as a warrior and, like, as a weapon, and the hammer being kind of more the him using his strength to kind of create things and, like, non-violence. Um, and I, I really kind of like that. And, and it... It seems like in general, his arc seems to be heading in a direction where he's kind of realizing it doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't have to just kill things or like create things like this. There is a middle ground in which I can use my strength to kind of meld those together for like when the situation calls me to like, so like when the situation calls me to be like, basically go on the offensive and like like mess shit up like mm -hmm. <laughs> he can do that but like he can also play kind of going back to his first eye of the world pov like he likes to think like he's an overthinker mm -hmm. so like he can do that creation hammer uh thing so he's get, get, gathering all of these disparate parts of himself that um seem really confusing to him and they're starting to get a little less confusing as he's working through them yes. through the experiences that he's having now the one um thing i'd say about that is that i what you're what, what you just said there is not something he's at no um, it's, it's more of like we we kind of might see that it's going in that direction no it's it, it's yeah it, it's he's not there right now but Especially with the kind of the blacksmith scene and kind of that, it, as in the reader, that's kind of how I'm reading that arc. Um, but anything else on Perrin, unless you want to talk about Fayol right now? We should. Okay. We should. Well, there were, we there should. would not be as many reasons to get to her. Yeah. So who um, is she? Um, she is a hunter of the horn from Saldea, which is on the other side of the borderlands from Shi'anar, which we were in, um, I, the world great hunt, mm. um, yeah. in, in that, in that, uh, at that time. Um, and she just, cause they're, uh, going to, is, I'm trying to remember, they're going to Tyr and, um, they're in the village. They're in, they're yeah. in the village, and she d decides to tag along because um, she is looking for the horn. Well, and that that scene in particular where that happens is Perrin frees the Aiel person that the townspeople had like right. captured. Right, and right. she she sees it happen. She doesn't help him, but she sees it happen, and she's like, right, and she's like, oh, I want to come along too. Yeah. Um, which we can maybe presume that um, she at least starts to find him interesting at that point in time. Um, yeah. Zareen slash Fayil um, goes a little bit back and forth in this book as far as I know. That confused really, me, but yeah. Really does put on airs um, a lot. Um where she's just, um, has a front. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, when she's a bitch. <laughs> like, she, cause she, uh, no, he doesn't help it. Perrin doesn't help it, cause he's like, stubborn, he's really stubborn, 
we'll say. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and it is diff- to me even as much as um, I found her infuriating. Um, more even more so um, in the beginning of the next book, which obviously is not it's not time for that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> even with that, and maybe I didn't realize this then. I realize it more now. Um, you can at least say this. It is interesting to watch them work off of each other more so than other romances. Yes, in the it, book. it's certainly more, there's certainly a dynamic there, whereas in a lot of the other romances, there's just no dynamic. Right. <laughs> Whether what how we feel about dynamic that dynamic kind of depends on the scene but now you you may be reading this as someone looking for romance in the books and thinking you know it would be really nice if we had um a romance of of one that was just me- meaningful and where they demonstrably like each other <laughs> God, they... <sighs> but here's the, it's weird though because it's like yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. But the one that fits those criteria, um, the major one that fits the, those criteria, um, hasn't developed yet um, by this book. Um, so we'll have okay, to yeah, wait I for that, we, too. I think we, I guess. Yeah. Um, but at least this one is, is really interesting. Um, and I like how she she prods the parts of him that need prodding even though it is not a wholly satisfying thing from a reader's perspective. Because, I mean, I, I agree, but the way she does it is just badger, 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 badger. Oh, sure, and, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, a, that's a choice on Jordan with, this is how I'm going to write this character to interact with Perrin. Right, and, and I... I and Perrin's like, no, 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 no. <sighs> All right, I guess... Oh, but wait, she's captured. I need to go rescue her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't want her to be, like, super, uh, for her to be going about it the right way necessarily, because then it would feel like, oh, she's just there to make Perrin feel, uh, to make Perrin kind of realize stuff about himself, that's, and that's then she true. wouldn't feel like her own character. Her own character. That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean... Yeah, she's fine. I mean, I I don't hate her as much as a lot of other people seem to. I mean, yeah, she, certainly not in my like favorite. Well, certainly in my in my bottom few characters, um, but she's fine, and she obviously does serve a like important purpose for parents. Yeah, and again, like from a first reader's perspective, I can't blame you. I was yeah. I was there as well. Um, I think it's a good idea to move into Matt. All right, that's from Perrin. fine. So, all right, that's fine. So, I guess we'll we'll probably end up shoving Elaine to the next episode at um, this point. Unless, do you mean Egwene? Did I say Elaine? Uh-huh. I, yes, Egwene. <laughs> the E. It's it's the E's that all all sound the same. Egwene, <laughs> Elaine. Well, Elida, but she spelled the same as she spelled similarly enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so what do you think of? Matt. I think he's interesting. I mean, I, I I don't feel like I particularly am able to connect with him. I, I think his arc is interesting because it's basically like, it, I feel like he almost feels like he's playing catch up. <laughs> like, oh, I have to go do all this stuff. Like, but also like, because I was like out of commission the whole time, and like now, like, because he like all those memories are gone, and like. Mm-hmm. So he's just feeling. He seems like he's just feeling very anxious about like everything, which is understandable given that like you know he was in like a dark magic coma for like pseudo dark magic coma mm-hmm. for the last like while. Yeah, and now that I now that you say that, it does feel like he he's in a position after he is able to escape Tarvalon. He is in a position where only in name is he is he really wrapped up in stuff. He hasn't had the experience of just ha- needing to be involved like yeah. everyone else has. And so everyone else is on a, a similar type of page, whereas Matt is kind of where Nynaeve was, 
in the eye of the world, especially yes. with him going after um, the girls yep, to, to save them. Yeah. Um, which is what Nynaeve was doing originally. That's right. Yeah. Um, and now Nynaeve is, has still some of those remnants, like with her revenge on Moraine BS, yeah. but. Although I'm glad that we're getting less and less of that. Oh yeah, sure. they, like, as, as it must. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Although I do kind of want some sort of like, resolution type scene to that between the two of them, but that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt, uh, yeah, she has some some of that. Nynaeve still has some of it, but she also um, is is so taken up with. Uh, she's very busy <laughs> with with uh, yes. uh, Black Aja matters. Yes, they yeah yeah. So it's 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 kind of in the background, but uh, yeah, uh, I think. Matt, I know Matt. Matt is definitely a fan favorite in in general. Um, he, I think he is really distinctive he as is. Jordan writes him, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult, though. Speaking of the dead zone, not impossible. It's difficult <laughs> to be uh, really bored when reading his point of view for me. No, I, I think that's uh, yeah. I. There were parts where, I, I, I guess I more found some of the things that the other people were doing to be more interesting in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Matt's an interesting character, um, but I, I, I find I find the things the other people were doing to be kind of cooler to see in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think we get this book to um, get a sense of him. Yeah. And the his um his attempts to rescue the girls is part of understanding him and then his developments are definitely more f- book 4 and book 5. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um so we should talk about the quarterstaff scene. Though. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh it's really cool, but it, similar to to like some Rand scenes in the first few books, it's it's interesting because he seems a little it, it seems a little bit uh, Gary Stu, um, in the sense of he comes up and now he can beat Gowan and Glad, uh, well, Darth yeah. Maul style. <laughs> now, but well, maybe because I guess it is a little um, weird because he um, just woke up, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, again they are warders in training. Um, which is a bit of both worlds where they're yeah. warders, but they're, they're not warders. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and as, um, Hamar said, um, who's, uh, supervising, trainer, yeah. yeah, the trainer, um, he said, the best swordsman ever got beat by a farmer with a quarterstaff. I mean, it's a different style that you don't learn. Right. That's true. Um, um, and the quarterstaff is really, um, really can create some reach and is just, just creates opportunities for strikes that aren't available to a swordsman. No, that's, that's true. And the, the, the reason I'm kind of okay with the scene, I mean, it, it's really Well, cool one, because it's yeah, cool. One, because it's cool. Two, like, kind of like how the Rand Gary Stu stuff is okay because he's kind of ta- at least I'm my mind kind of seeing him as tapping into the past dragon lives a little bit. Um, right. Matt has seems to be similarly tapping into kind of Minetheran stuff a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is he cracked? Because I think we're are we already seeing old tongue stuff? I think is he uh, is he breaking into that or or not? Maybe yet? like once or twice, but mm-hmm. th- there's enough. There's enough that like there's enough in that in this book with him that I remember thinking like okay that that makes between the, the kind of magical dark like Netherin remnants and training with his dad that he talks about mm-hmm. like when they were in the two rivers it's a good enough it's fine mm-hmm. I mean it, great really cool scene but um, 
But yeah, and then his luck stuff is interesting too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, a one, uh, from a cynical perspective, one might say that it is device-ish. <laughs> well, ish. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a device, but it's it's fine because I, I'm fine with it because he's never a going back going on a kind of soft magic thing here mm-hmm. it's fine because he's not he doesn't solve any central problems for either his character or the plot by oh I can I'm really lucky when I roll the dice and I can get money mm-hmm. like that that doesn't solve any central any plot things for him or kind of the general plot so so I'm kind of fine with it uh, and it also kind of I'm getting the sense at least that it comes it's kind of remnant from the dagger like it's not a good type like the the source of the luck is kind of a little darker in nature is what it seems at least and maybe it's just that it's, the way uh, he thinks about it right yeah it's uh, kind of yeah it's, it's uh, non-partisan <laughs> yeah it's yeah, that would make sense. It's not. Uh, it's just like, oh. Um, because, I mean, right from the get-go, what you have is uh, uh, one of the idioms is the dark one's own luck, um, right. which is usually yeah. a good thing because, you know, the dark one has lived for a long time and is yeah. uh, lucky to be alive, I suppose. Um but it's still the dark one, so you have that it's, sense of yeah, of, uh, yeah, of yeah. Uh, sinister, no, sinister stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, um how much how much time has passed? Uh, almost well, about fifty minutes. Okay. Um, uh, were there any short things we wanted to go over for this episode? Um, let me think. Uh. At this point, we'll... I guess we can talk about the idea a little bit. Sure. Yeah, because at this point, we'll, we'll save the Wonder Girls and the climax for the next episode. Yes, as well I, as any... As well as maybe half of this extra stuff. Yeah. Um, so... The... Yeah, so we get some ideal stuff in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, they were always such a minor, for me reading this the first time, it was always such a minor uh, part of the books that I was like, oh, I forget what ideal stuff happened in book two and three. Yeah. It wasn't until book four where we get a lot of ideal stuff. Yeah, because book two, you really, you really just they encounter them the ones, right? Yes. And the, on the um, road, and then... They save them from something. Yes, right. And then the I.O. come back and, like, help save them, mm-hmm. too. And that, but that's in The Great Hunt. And this one, then... In, wait, this, in this book, do they actually, talk about water? I think they talk about water. I, they might. I'm, I'm... They might. I forget. They probably do in book two. It's probably just a passing phrase that we wouldn't have, like, picked up on as, like, mm-hmm. this is a... I thought someone was, like... Was looking at a river and was like, "Oh, what is this?" <laughs> oh, pro- yeah, that might be. Yeah, that might that because there's a. I can step in in because back in the uh, in their homeland, they can um, they they any water that's there, they can easily step over. <laughs> yes, that's right. And like, that's I can't right. I can't cross this. What is life? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, because they, yeah, obviously they can't really, they don't have to swim because, like, that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, you get a lot of their fighting prowess and the always characterized, uh, and I, I kind of like this, like, because it is kind of a good visual cue for us. Like, it's like, when they're veiled, they're going to kill. It is, yeah, it is really good. Yeah, and, um and at times it's maybe a little much, but like I in general like it because it's a good visual cue of like, oh okay. Which is and and that veiling is cool for other reasons we will not specify at this time. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so you get them. Uh, well, because I'm trying to think of because thing. It's difficult to talk about the major thing with them unless we're going to talk about the climax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we uh, can we can leave that to go. 
um, for next time. I think, yeah. So, I yeah, I think we'll leave it. Oh, well, I guess, hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, well, I, I think we should leave that for now. Um, okay. Oh, I had one more Matt thing I was thinking. Yes. His art, this is kind of more random, his art seems to be going, at least right now, with his current skill set, as he's going to end up being some sort of thief or spy in different scenarios. I mean, or... yeah, he he um, can make his way through taverns even easier than um, Tom or Tom or well, maybe not easier not, than yeah, Tom. Not Tom. Not Tom. Yeah, not, so not but Tom. Uh, I mean, he has his own. Skills, like he knows his way around a tavern, and I don't know why I'm focusing on taverns, but I mean, well, yeah, a lot of scenes, a lot of his, that's lot where of you find out. out stuff, sure. Um, and uh, he has all these knives, <laughs> he yeah, has he, so many knives, it's yeah, yeah, which is yeah, that's fine, it, yeah, it's it? kind of funny, but um, yeah, so I think that's it'll be interesting to see where like he goes as far as like. I mean, that's more just, like, his function. Like, it's not really a character thing. Yeah, it's his function, right? Is it being with Dwilin, um near the end of the book. Yes. Um, right, right, right. And, uh, and he, well, he's pretty good at it, it seems to be. But, you yes. know, that's that's probably more of a symptom of main characters being good at what they need to be good at. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not, Jordan wouldn't do that. No. Um, okay. Well, I but, think we can leave it there. Yes. Yeah. So next time, we we actually still have pretty much my favorite parts, with the exception of some of the parent stuff. We still have the Wonder Girls, like the Queen. That's probably my favorite part in general. And mm-hmm. the climax is really cool. Yes. Um, so we will. Yeah. Go for that uh, next right. time. So this has been the Acolytes of Merlin, and we are your hosts, Johnny and John. And thanks for listening. <laughs>